The Playful Psychologist podcast is hosted by me, Emily Hanlon, a clinical psychologist who primarily works with children and adolescents. This podcast has been designed to offer support to new psychologists who may feel as though they are drowning in uncertainty. It has also been designed to inform and educate parents and teachers on all things child development. Along with some special guests, I explore different aspects of child development, including developmental disorders and emotional regulation, while also advocating for those who may be falling through the cracks in our current system. Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new season of the Playful Psychologist podcast. I'm so excited to continue bringing you guys content. As always, I'm, I've got a couple of like really awesome special guests lined up this season. Um, and then I've got some content of my own that I'm wanting to share with you guys. This one today is a nice short episode, um, but I think it's a really important one. I, As you guys know, I'm now an ARPA board approved supervisor and quite a few of the questions I get are about NDIS clients and using appropriate activities and language. Um, when working with these clients because it's just not an area at all that is touched on during our you know psychology degrees or our studies and so on so today I want to talk about grief and disability and how you would explain the death of a loved one um, who has an intellectual disability of some sort so um, this is just you know, as a bit of a preface, um, this is based on my um, practice and what I've found to be successful. This may not work for everyone, but it's something that I've found consistently helps. So when you are trying to explain a concept as like abstract and tricky as death, um, I find that it's really important to use concrete terms when you're explaining this. So I personally, before I even get started, check with my client's family and sure and kind of like make sure I guess that they're okay with me using heaven as a term because even though it's something that I believe in I know obviously not everyone does believe in heaven and if they are not okay with me using a term such as heaven I would check with them um as to like what term they would want me to use instead. So perhaps they follow a religion with another term or they, you know, are atheist and they don't want to bring religion into it at all, which again is totally fine. It's just really important as a psychologist or any sort of clinician to check in um, with the client's family to make sure that we are being culturally appropriate and sensitive uh, in this regard. So for the sake of explaining this to you guys, I'm going to use the term heaven, but again, just use whatever term that you believe is most appropriate for your your client and just again be mindful that you need to be culturally sensitive with your client and their beliefs. So what I found is when I, it's all well and good for a family to say to, you know, their family member with a disability, like so-and-so is going to heaven, mum's going to heaven, dad's going to heaven. But you really need to explain to the person that you're working with what that actually means. Please do not assume that they know what that means. So I want to give you an example of a client um, I had and tragically her mum passed away. It was uh, like a, a cancer diagnosis, but it all happened quite rapidly and they were told that their mum went to heaven and she however like she she accepted that but she assumed that heaven was like a holiday destination you could come back from and the reason we found this out was because in therapy she kept saying things like when is mum coming back from heaven or I'm really upset that mum didn't take me with her to heaven so I asked her you know hey do you do you know what 
heaven is? Do you know what that means? And she said, no, she didn't. And I really wanted to share that because it's a really good example of the family using a concrete term, but not explaining the concrete term in a way that my client understood. So you really need to be very mindful of that and be very mindful that things need to be broken down for them. So if you are using a construct such as heaven, you need to make it really clear that once you go there, you can't come back. So I often describe heaven as this place where people go when they've been really, really sick or they've been in a lot of pain and they go there and it's really peaceful and it's really beautiful um, and it's full of that person who passed away, their favorite things. So I ask my clients to describe all the amazing things that their deceased loved one likes. So if they say like, oh, mum really loves roses, I'll say, oh my gosh, there are so many roses in heaven. There's just gardens. Or if they say, you know, mum really likes the beach, I'll be like, oh, that's crazy. Heaven has this beautiful crystal clear beach that you can swim at and it's warm and beautiful. You can go there every day. So I guess why I'm sharing that is to just you know, be mindful that you're not going to be able to really like prepare a script, so to speak, when it comes to this. Heaven is going to look, heaven, quote, quote unquote, heaven is going to look different to everyone, depending on what your client tells you and what your client feeds back to you about what their deceased loved one um, liked. So I'll say something like, wow, you know, heaven is so beautiful. It's full of all these things that your mum loved. But what's really tricky about heaven is once you go there, you can't actually come back. So you need to make it really clear that it's permanent. And even though it's amazing and it's beautiful and your loved one is there and is pain-free, the tricky thing is they can't come back. They can see us from up there, but they can't come back to earth to see us and to talk to us. So after we've talked about this topic a little bit, I'll then draw an image of the world or a landscape or something like that. And we'll then, you know, draw heaven as being well above the world or well above the family so that they can have like a visual idea um, and they can see where heaven is above the earth and above the clouds. So I'll explain it to them. Like after we've done the drawing, I'll say, okay, so here's Australia and this is where we are in Australia. Then this is the whole world. And then above the world, you know when you look up you see the beautiful blue sky and you see some clouds and then right above the clouds that's where heaven is so it's not actually somewhere we can go on a plane it's a special place you can only go once you pass away um, and I just find that like having that visual representation really helps solidify that like although it's this beautiful place it's not somewhere that we can like jet off to and then come back from so together we may draw what they envision heaven looking like I guess so this is more just to give them a sense of calmness so they can feel as though their loved one is okay but it also helps them open up about their loved one a little bit so like all the things they love or things that they may not have like verbally expressed since their loved one had had passed so um, I think that's a really cool activity to do with them as well then I also ask the families to get a beautiful framed photo of the loved one um, that has passed and pop that in my client's room or in the lounge room or wherever the family deems appropriate so that they can have little conversations with my clients can have conversations with their loved one. Um, yeah, because I think that's really important as well to know that even though they may not speak back because they're in heaven, you can definitely still talk to them. I think that can be quite therapeutic for a lot of people. So one other thing I do, because um, I, I often get my clients ask me things like, but where did they put my mum? Where did they put my dad? Where did they put my sister, etc.? And they want somewhere where they can actually go visit something tangible. Now, if the family has chosen to bury their loved one, then obviously that place can be their grave and that's 
you know, fantastic. That, you know, ticks that box. But if the family have chosen something else, such as cremation, I think it's really important to choose a special place where they can go and talk to their loved one or feel close. So it may be a place of significance, like a bench by the beach or you know, a spot under a tree in a park that they used to go together. But I think it needs to be some some place that is easily accessible to um, the person with a disability, but also is really meaningful to them. So yeah, that's just something really nice as well. And also gives that sense of like being close to the, the deceased loved one. So yeah, they're just my tips when trying to explain this really tricky topic. But I would also be really mindful that people with an intellectual disability do move through the stages of grief a bit erratically and different to you or, or I. And that's OK. They just process as we all do in their own time. So I, ju- I just want to give an example um, as to why I brought that up. So I had a client who kept saying, what are we going to do for my birthday now? My birthday's ruined. And this was maybe like two weeks after um, the the mother had passed away and the family was quite upset by this understandably because they felt as though my client was being really selfish in a time of intense grief but I was explaining to them it was actually the opposite my client was desperately trying to cling on to a sense of normality and this was her way of essentially saying hey my world is falling apart and I need something concrete to keep me going It was really her way of expressing her feelings of sadness. She wasn't saying, oh, great, my birthday's ruined because I can't have a party. She was saying, oh, my God, my birthday's never going to be the same because my mum's not here. So it's really important to read between the lines. Um, It is so challenging for parents or family members in these situations because they are obviously carrying their own grief um, as well. So as a therapist, please be mindful of this too Um, because, you know, it is a lot easier said than done if you're not going through it. I would know we've had to explain this to my brother quite a few times and death is something that makes him extremely anxious. So we have to, you know, be really cautious whenever someone close to us passes away about how we, you know, approach that topic with him. Now, one workbook I always recommend is a book called When Someone Special Dies. Now, this is a workbook that is designed for children, but in my personal experience, I found that it is really helpful for people, you know, adults with an uh, intellectual disability as well. It is a black and white kind of um yeah, book, I guess, but they can, you can draw in it. it. It has prompts for activities to do and helps kind of work through those stages of grief. It's a part of a, uh, a bigger series. They have a when something terrible happens in regards to, you know, natural disasters and when mum and dad separate in regards to parental separation or divorce. But this one, and I, and I have those two as well, but the grief one is the one I use the most. So it's called When Someone Very Special Dies. And then as a subheading, children can learn to cope with grief. And it's just a beautiful book. I'll link it in the episode notes um, to this episode. Uh, But yeah, I haven't found it in store, but I buy mine off Booktopia or Fishpond. Um, So just, yeah, shop around, see where the, uh, you know, the cheapest version is because they often go on sale. But it's just a really good workbook to help children work out feelings about death. And I find that it is the language used is still very appropriate for adults with an intellectual impairment to also work through it. And it's just really practical, practical. It helps like solidify that concept of death um, and helps them also develop some more coping skills. And like I said, you can illustrate in it and personalize it um, and really like work through those stages of grief through art. And then obviously at the end, they have something tangible that they can always refer back to. So it's definitely something that I would highly recommend if you work with children 
um, who are experiencing grief or adults with a disability experiencing grief. So I hope that was helpful for you guys. Like I said, today was a bit of a short one, but I'm really excited to bring you a lot of content this season. So please stay tuned. Have a great week and I'll chat to you guys later. See ya.